Hey, welcome back to another episode of the People of Packaging Podcast. I'm your host, the packaging pastor, Adam Peak, And today on the show, we have Julian Thielen coming live all the way from Deutschland, from Germany. We talk about recycling and what they're doing over in Germany. We even talk about David Hasselhoff because, you know, why not? Hey, this episode is being brought to you by Specrite. Last week, I was at the Specrite Summit, and I'm telling you what, you have got to align with this company if you are in the packaging industry. Specrite is changing the game on how our specifications are going to not only be managed, but also used to drive sustainable change throughout the industry. You need to link up with them. Go to specrite.com backslash PKG, S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T.com backslash PKG to learn more. Now let's get to this phenomenal interview. I can't wait for you to hear it with Julian Thielen from Intercero. Well, this episode of the People of Packaging podcast has been a few uh, continents away and a few months in development. Uh, so I'm, I met uh, Julian Thielen on, uh, I believe it was on LinkedIn when we first interacted. Is that correct, Julian? Which is not surprising. That's correct, yeah. It would have been hard for us to accidentally meet, given the fact that you're in uh, Germany and I'm here in Salt Lake City. We couldn't have just like, oh, we met in the Frankfurt airport at the United Club or something like that. I suppose that could have been a could have been something, yeah. but <laughs> did not happen yeah, I, that way. I, I spent some time in the US as well. Um, but yeah, through the um, yeah, COVID situation, LinkedIn is the place, obviously. Yeah, It's the place. Yeah, it's the place to be. It's where all the cool kids are. That's what I would say. Uh, so Julian and I, we, we started to interact there. Uh, he's got some really, he had some really cool content uh, around recycling. And as we were kind of talking before the, before the call, we're just going to, we're going to end up diving into what's happening in recycling in Germany, in the EU. And for those of us here in the US, I think it's really important that we understand because Let's just be honest, a lot of times we're not setting the standards on recycling. We're following a lot of standards. So, and we do set some. I'm not saying we, we aren't innovative, but it's it's helpful for us to get, I think, a global perspective. So uh, I am joined by Julian Thielen. And Julian, I'll give you uh, an opportunity to, to make an introduction because you're going to be way better at it than I am. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, thanks that I got the chance to be on this podcast. Um, yeah, like, like I said, I'm, I'm Julian, I'm uh, working in Germany for Interzero, which is um, a major recycling company. We're sorting um, household waste, so lightweight packaging, and um, try our best to yeah, get out of these resources or to bring these resources to a second life and to new packaging. And um, me specifically, I'm a packaging engineer. So um, I studied um, paper and packaging technology um, as a bachelor degree and with a, another master's um, I did in Berlin. Um, so I'm, um, yeah, I came into the whole recycling industry right after I did my first jobs in, in, in the packaging industry. So I was in flexible packaging before. Um, like I said, I had um, one opportunity to work in the US. I've been uh, most of the time in Miami, Florida, but also setting up machine equipment in um, Ohio, Chicago, um, and the New York area, which was- Who did you work uh, for here? Quite a good time. Sorry? Who did you work for here? Carville. Oh yeah. Carville Development. Um, they are distributing all kinds of um, 
packaging equipment um, mm -hmm. for 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 all steps of um, flexible packaging. Yep, with yeah. a K, is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've, and, I've, um, I've heard of them. Yeah, I was working for them for for almost a year. Then I came back to um, to Germany, working for uh, in a flexible packaging business. And then I had the chance after another half, one and a half years, to go to Interzero, um, which is based near my near my hometown. And um, yeah, after being some little bit lonesome through through Germany and um, and the US, I had the chance after um, yeah, almost ten years to come back home where my friends are and have the great opportunity to, to come into this this whole topic about sustainability. Right, I came into the flexible packaging because I saw in right in the supermarket um, when when Kellogg's came from the classic bag in another box um, to just a stand-up pouch um, as it is more familiar today. Um, I saw, okay, this is an interesting kind of packaging that's evolving heavily. Um, and yeah. That's cool. After, after all, I saw, okay, another topic is recyclability, right? You have to use one material to really get the best out of this. And this is today how I am. I'm in my little department. This is called Made for Recycling. Um, we are helping our customers to yeah, design the packaging in a way that it's sortable and recyclable and uh, yeah, just to save um, the resources. That's awesome. Um, so having spent time in the U.S., and are and you're, are you you're from Germany? You said you you yeah. moved close yes. to your hometown. So, yes. um, who would you say is a bigger American German star in Germany? Dirk Nowitzki or David Hasselhoff? Uh, David Hasselhoff. 100%. Okay. A hundred. A hundred percent. Just a hundred percent. Yeah, David Hasselhoff is the um, is the number one going to yeah. Man, <laughs> no, he he made the the Berlin Wall fall down. It's yeah. we thank him. There's Germany as a unity today. Yeah. David, Dirk David, Nowitzki, Dirk, Dirk Nowitzki, of course, he's the bigger German guy in the U.S. Yeah, but got it. Okay, got it. Off. That would make that would make sense. So Dirk is bigger yeah, in the yeah. U.S., but uh, David is bigger in Germany. Yeah, we can be proud of Dirk. You must be more proud of David Hasselhoff. Okay, and I will I will be totally ignorant of my uh, David Hasselhoff history, but uh, I am unaware of the connection between David Hasselhoff and the Berlin Wall falling. So yeah, uh, I will I will sum this up afterwards. Okay, okay, <laughs> got it. You, and send you probably more ridiculous videos that you can think of. <laughs> I cannot wait for that. Uh, <laughs> and and it's not to say. Be, it, what's interesting is um, I studied German as a language in high school. And so I, I took four years of German. I've been to Berlin, uh, Munich, Heidelberg, Frankfurt. Um, I'm trying to think of other places I've been in Germany. It's not as though I'm unfamiliar with with Germany and with German as a language. And the fact that I didn't, I've never heard that David Hasselhoff has some sort of responsibility for the Berlin Wall falling and that, that may or may not lead to his uh, his popularity there is fascinating yeah. to me, but that's not why people are tuning into the podcast for sure. But I would love to, I would love to learn about that. That's crazy. I would, I would send you to the video him singing in front of the Berlin Wall, and um, we will probably put it in in, in the description of this episode. Okay, I can't, I can't wait. If anyone wants to know about recycling in Germany and why yeah. David Hasselhoff is singularly responsible for the unifying of Germany as a state, tune in. 
to to the people of packaging podcast that's fascinating okay uh well that's that's good to know uh we'll be we'll be proud of david hasselhoff so you uh let's there's no way to pivot off of that but to just yeah. make a hard pivot into it um so you you mentioned that you've got this, you have a background of flexible packaging, you have a background as a packaging engineer, and, and now you're working in recycling. So I'll, I'll start off with the question, because in the US, flexible packaging from a sustainability perspective, I think has a lot of really good points. One of them is certainly not yet, it's sorting and recyclability, that would be a, a struggle. Is it similar in in Germany? Um, I would say in Europe it's it's similar, but in Germany it's different. Um, Interesting. Here in in the the, the of course flexible packaging um, is quite expensive to sort and to recycle because um, to be honest, it's um, the amount of flexible packaging within the whole stream of lightweight packaging is um, because it's just, a, it's, it's a light and it's um, a material effect, um, effective. Um, the amount is quite low. So in, in historically scene, um, the recyclers and sorters were more focused on rigid packaging, on, um, on trays, on bottles for shampoos and all that stuff. This was easy to sort, easy to recycle, um, but flexible packaging is hard to detect, hard to sort it with this um, near-infrared technology that's that's um, working with air nozzles that shoot um, packaging into different um, fractions and material. It's just behaving just, just from the flexible nature. It's um, hard to handle. And this is why um, recyclers and sorters are more focused on the heavy material of rigid packaging. Um, but in, in, and this is why the first step of recycling is the collection. In Germany, you can, um, we collect in, for every household collects in yellow bags and yellow tons um, or bins, um, the packaging. And um, there you put in everything that's, that's packaging. It's, it's, it's metal, it's aluminum, it's um, paper laminates, flexible plastic and rigid plastic. All when that packaging into, goes in a yellow bag. That goes into the yellow bag and resort uh, this into the different fractions to um, to recycle um, every every uh, material individually. For for plastic speaking, we're dividing into PET, partly into trays and bottles um, already, polypropylene, polyethylene, um, and even polystyrene. When you're looking into UK, in a comparison to that you only collect rigid plastic in the packaging bin. Everything, and that's collected from curbside then, right? And um, flexible packaging is only collected from um, the retailers themselves. So you go yep. to the Tesco market to bring back your LDPE films. Yep, Sim that's similar and, here in the US, by the way. Yeah, and this is why we in Germany, we're collecting um, much more flexible packaging than the UK, where you only get back 10% of all LDPE films. So, and as soon as you got 10% um, back into the system, that's the maximum you can get out of there, right? Mm -hmm. And this is, um, these are the difference between um, European countries. Um, and I'm, I'm 
um, interested to hear how the difference are from state to state in the US because here is, from what I hear, California is um, much more progressive um, in, yeah. that, in that topic than probably other states. Yeah, there are, there, are, there are pockets, I would say, of the United States where they are, they are more innovative in, uh, you know, specifically California, the Pacific Northwest, Oregon, Washington. Yes. Um, uh, I think it might surprise some people, but I, I've heard that Texas uh, has a has a pretty um, a, a pretty interesting approach, and they're doing some they're doing some big things. And then the Northeast as well uh, tends to have more robust recycling. Maine, New Hampshire, um, Vermont, those yeah. kinds of areas. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, it, it is, it is largely segmented by state, although there's been a recent announcement that the environmental, I, I believe it's the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency is putting mm -hmm. together a national strategy around recycling, but who knows? Yeah, and that's needed. Of course, when you look into detail, even in Germany, every city to city, there are slight differences, whether I, I just told you about the yellow bag and yellow bin. In some um, areas, we're having a system that's blue. And in others, you don't collect, um, you collect products and packaging. So when I'm, when I'm talking about the general packaging bin, of course, there goes everything inside that's packaging. What about a toothbrush and stuff like this? And this could also differ from, from city to city. And of course, in the higher scope, every European country is having huge differences in the collection systems and in the recycling infrastructure. In Germany, we're having rough, no, let's, let's, let's talk about maybe 30 different sorting plants that are dealing um, with, the, with all the um, packaging. In France, they are trying to come down from 210 to maybe, I think now it's 140 and they want to be somewhere under 100 um, in the near future. Um, to build just better technologized um, and, and therefore fewer plants that deal with the material. Got it. And yeah. Yeah, these, interesting. These are the difference between the countries. I'm sure. Yeah, there, there. I, I would imagine that there's a lot. There's a lot of differences. So uh, let, let's hang out here on the Germany thing. Um, number one, I now have a. People ask me, well, why are your why is your podcast yellow and black? And honestly, I just picked them. But now I can say, well, in Germany this is the sign of uh, of recycling and yes. since you know i know ein bisschen deutsch i can just say mm -hmm. that i'm 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 yeah sounds, going sounds back, good going back and to yeah. my <laughs> going back to that uh i've i've actually told people it's you know we're not we're not at uh we're not at red yet but yellow tends to me like a warning and so mm -hmm. when it comes to sustainability we we should all be heavily warned that we've got a lot of uh, opportunities for innovation, a lot of opportunities for advancement, but we need to keep, we need to stay on, on that kind of alert. But uh, yeah. I like, I like, I like the German answer better. Everybody needs to improve here. We as um, end consumers, we have to, um, yeah, separate ways. We have to, um, yeah, put down the lid from the um, yogurt cup, but we also have to separate um, organic waste from from packaging waste. Yeah, this is the, the human being is the best sorting plant um, we could have. So this is this one part of the triangle how we can um, improve the um, the recycling quotas and the amount of um, recycled content. The other one is 
we as uh, Interzero, we are sorting every third packaging in Germany on our sorting lines. So of course we improve the technology of the near infrared sorting, the way these sorters are um, combined. So of course we have to make um, a, a better sorting here. And the whole talk uh, discussion about recycling friendly packaging design coming from mono layer materials to only PP or PE structures to um, come from the aluminum lid on the yogurt cup to a PP lid on the PP cup. And this is, this is our daily business. And with these um, um, yeah, leverage, we have the, the, just the tools to um, get to the, the, the target of a fully working circular economy. Are you finding then that more brands are reaching out to companies like uh, Interso and engaging with how do we design for proper sorting? How do we design for recyclability? How do we design for circularity? Definitely. Is that that's happening? You you are engaged as a packaging engineer personally, or you as a company are engaged with the the Henkels of the world that are really trying to figure this out. Exactly. That's 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 exactly the point. Um, to give you a better explanation, I need to go back um, more than 20 years when there was a packaging act that started in Germany, where um, the or that, that brought into um, into action the fact that the brand owners and the, um, yeah, the brand owners need to pay for the packaging that they bring to that they bring into the market. So they pay um, something like um, um, they pay a fee for the amount of packaging they bring into market. And we as a dual system, this is um, how this um, um, yeah, how this whole field is called. We um, arrange the sorting, recycling, um, the, the collection, the sorting at the recycling. Um, and this started like um, uh, yeah, more than 20 years ago with the target, because we pay for every ton of packaging you bring into the market to lower the amount right we have to reduce reuse recycling this was the first approach of reduction of the material um, so there was always a connection between um, the brand owners and um, companies as interzero as a dual system but um, just within the last years we were or, or our mission to be between the packaging manufacturers on the one hand and the brand owners and to bring together the the, the recyclable solutions and the need for recycled material. And we um, yeah, are this missing link. Um, and um, yeah, people are coming to us, of course. Um, the big retailers, the big companies, they say, okay, in 2025, we want to have 100% recyclable material uh, or re recyclable packaging. And um, we are the ones certifying that at the very end, but we are helping them to say, okay, if you want to do so, please switch from a metallization to a Psyox barrier. And this is exactly what's happening today. Got it. So that you said something that's really fascinating. Well, you said a couple of things that I think are really interesting, but one is that you are, you are helping to certify if it is in fact recyclable. That's a big point here in the US. California just passed a law about who, how you can label your products, but there's, it, it, I've talked about this a lot. I know a lot of people, a lot of content creators on sustainability talk about this a lot. 
there is a difference between technically recyclable and usefully recyclable or productively recyclable. So when you are looking at that, are you saying, yes, this is recyclable. And as a sorter and a recycler, we would want to see this coming to our facility. And then you mark, you check that off. Yes, that's exactly the point. We're not talking just about technical recyclability. So not everything I can heat up to 300 degrees that's melting and after cooling down, it's having a new um, new shape or can have a new shape. Um, that's not our definition of recycling. When we're talking about recyclability, of course, we need to look at the end market for the product. Just if there is really a recycler out there dealing with the material with this kind of plastic, then the, the packaging can be, um, can be called recyclable. So a big issue to bring this more um, more to the point is the difference between PET bottles and PET trays, right? PET bottles are widely recycled in Europe, um, probably in the US as well. This is the first um, or the most recycled um, packaging type um, all over the world. It's APET, it's transparent, and um, just by nature very well recyclable. On the other side, you're having um, PET trays for vegetables and that stuff, or as well as um, cheese or, or, or a type of meat. This could be pure APET as well. This could be a mixture of um, CPET, polyethylene with a, with a lid and, and colors. And there's no end market today in, in a significant share to recycle PET trays. This is, this is rising, this is coming up, but in, in this, this is, on the one side, you're having in the material itself that's very well recyclable, but the end market is not there yet. And this is um, same thing is for um, for bio um, biodegradable packaging like PLA, right? The material you can you can recycle, but there's no recycler out there because the, the amount in the full packaging screen is just so low that yeah. nobody started the business yet. That makes sense. So it sounds like there are there are both similarities, which is not surprising. There are similarities because you're describing a lot of the same things here. And then there's also differences, which if we have differences between states, of course, we're going to have differences in recycling standards and laws in uh, you know, across countries and different continents. Would would you say that a lot of your innovation, uh, I hope this doesn't come across as like a leading or like a trick question, but um a lot of the innovation in the space came about because of the we'll call it like the governmental mandate has that led to a lot of it or because you said starting back 20 years ago with this law or is it now both pressure from governmental agencies along with consumer demands has that have they both played into it um both I would say, um, of course, the, the law I said that's um, more than 20 years old has revolutionized um, for two years ago. So it was improved that um, the packaging here needs to be designed recyclable or um, with the highest possible amount of recyclates or um, designed with renewable resources. That's, that's part of the German Packaging Act as it is today. Um, but which is, which is much more driving, um, in my point of view, is the power of retailers. They say, 
as a brand owner, they say, okay, and I, I just bring into the market 100% recyclable packaging by 2022. This is what um, Aldi does say. You got Aldi in the US as well. Yep. Um, and other markets here say, okay, it's 2025. I think Lidl is in the US as well. Yep. So these are big, big players here that um, they these two bring together more than 25% of the whole packaging in, in Germany. And, and you see how, how big the power is and they are having on their suppliers. So when they say in 2022 or 25, I don't want to have any more um, PA in my in my structures. This is um, this is a much more uh, much much higher um, um, driver yeah. to such a change because we got this, the same thing more or less is standing in in, in 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 the German Packaging Act, but it's it's much more in the people's head. When the retailer says, "Okay, if you if you're having this, if you're having PE and EPA in that structure, you won't come into my supermarket next year." And then Interesting. People are acting. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, I would say the the thing that is becoming more and more discussed around recycling is is the financial aspect <clears throat> financial aspects of it as you know as you described like the end market and you know there's no value but also thinking through those financial pressures of hey if you don't change you're going to get fined and you can't sell product you can't actually put your product on the store shelf and reach 25% of consumers that's a really really big deal and if you start seeing Walmart's doing some similar work here in the US it'll be interesting to see if Amazon has the ability to do that globally um, so I totally get the 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 market dynamic pressure it could could be significantly more important than the than the um, the political or the policy pressure that could come from it, um, and maybe it's going to require both. I'm not entirely sure, but yeah, this is this is evolving now. Every European country is having uh, more or less a plan on how to bring hard numbers and hard um, fines on unrecyclable packaging or packaging that's not made out of a certain amount of recyclates. In the UK, you're, you're paying 200 um, pounds per ton um, for every single use plastic that's not having more than 30% post-consumer waste. In, it. Um, in Germany, we're discussing right now 300 euros per ton for every packaging that's less recyclable than 90%, which is hard to reach for some types of packaging. And um, yeah, now, now we're talking about um, specific fines. And um, like I said before, the retailer said, please leave the PA out or you won't sell your stuff. And now, even from the governmental side, it's like, okay, if you got the stuff in there, the, 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 these, these recycling impurities, then you need to pay more. And this is, this is having, this is the incentive that's needed yeah. at the very end to, um, to bring it, the, the very last of them to, to, to make the change. And I can see really where the value of a company like, uh, is it, do you say inter, inter zero? In, yeah, that's, that's good. Inter zero. Yeah. Inter zero. Uh, yeah. I can I can see where where you would be incredibly valuable in that as not only a certifying body, uh, but also as being able to put inputs into the brands who could come to you and say, "Hey, we're stuck. We don't know what to do. 
can you help us out? Uh, and, and I can really see a, a way in which packaging engineering and, and engineering with innovation is really going to ramp up and really going to shine because of that, because of that pressure that's going to be coming. If it's already in Germany, it's just starting here in the U.S. To be totally honest, there there are retailers who are beginning it. There are states that are putting in laws. But as you're describing it, I'm like, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Why why you would be right in the middle of it all? Yeah, the the another topic is that um, and why people are coming um, to to our little department within within Interzero. Um, the companies, the the brand owners, producers. It's so diverse if they got a team equipped out of 10 engineers or if the, the whole packaging is just on the shoulders of the, um, of the lead buyer or something. Mm -hmm. And this is such, such a big difference. And um, yeah, of course, when you're having a team of 10 engineers, there's, there's one you can, you can put the, the topic of circular economy and recyclability on. But um, this is nothing uh, a, a single um, yeah. single buyer or, or so can can do as um, yeah just by the side. Well, and there's so many exactly different disciplines. We're, we're taking them by the hand. Yeah, the packaging yeah. is getting so it is already complex. It's getting more and more complex, and um, yeah, we're happy to to help on this um, on this topic. That's great, and and it, you're you're only in Germany, is that correct? Um. Into zero itself, where the, the, our sorting lines are, are in Germany, but we're having also offices in uh, Poland, Slovenia, Croatia, Italy, and Austria. Um, oh, okay. So we're so we're so big larger here, and um, Inter zero is as also a hundred percent daughter company of Alba, which is. Um, also doing the first business in Asia as well. So we're setting up um, electronic waste, um, sorting and recycling there, but also um, packaging. And so we're starting here in, in, to sort the waste in China and to bring circular economy to to whole different um, yeah, space of the world. That's great. Yeah, I mean, the, the conversation around global sustainability and global circularity, if it does not involve sort of China, India, Indonesia, those heavily populated areas of the world is, is going to be, it's still important. I'm not saying it's, it's unimportant. It's just, we'll, we'll create a lot more momentum getting the involvement of those, those types of countries where uh, I think, I think there's a, an incredible amount of room for opportunity and innovation. So I'm glad to hear that you, is that the company that owns InterZero? Yes, exactly. Okay. Got yeah, it. Um, yeah. All the all, all countries in the world are are driven by sustainability, and um, but they're on, on a different starting point. Most countries just need to come clear with the um, all the waste that's just coming from the sea to their shore. Mm -hmm. um, how to handle this? Some need to to manage just the waste they produce. They need to start collection, um, and yeah. Or when I see what the people from Plastic Bank are doing. Um, yeah. They are setting up um, a system for yeah, uh, micro business owners, so to say, to collect the waste. And this is this is the exact topic that people need to or end consumers need to understand. We need to give, especially plastic and packaging, the value it's having. 
the issue that came with that is because people think it's cheap um and so they yeah it's 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 getting littered quite heavily and yep. these guys from plastic bank they're giving the the plastic a value and this is what everyone of us needs to understand it is yeah just having a, a value um not only a caloric value but a value to save resources and to bring this into the cycle and this is this is so possible that's such a great point i and i was able to speak at uh lux pack which is a show here um i believe lux packs yeah. actually I, I believe they're it's a global show and and i was making that exact same point so i was talking about sustainability and the potential convergence of um like cryptocurrency with recycling yeah. and how could we how could we create value for I, I liked what you said about uh, how human beings are the best sorting mechanism well how can we reward the best human beings who are really good at sorting with some sort of some sort of currency that that you know may be able to be exchanged by brands who are also really trying to drive that so that was kind of the general the general idea i i, I i'm going to look more into plastic bank because i've i've heard about them but as you said it i was like oh that's that mm -hmm. is a it's a phenomenal idea um let me on that on that note i'm gonna ask you one more question and then this is that'll be it we'll have we'll have a podcast done so <laughs> as as you're looking at some of these innovations that are that are coming up what and it could be plastic bank it could be something else what gets you most excited about being in the space that you're in today, looking in the future when it comes to recycling? Yeah, generally the, the mechanical recycling will always be um, the first um, or the best technology to recycle um, the, the plastic because plastic is made for, for, for um, mechanical recycling, but chemical recycling, on the other hand, will be another technology for waste streams that are today not recyclable Correct. so these are from from the recycling side i think um technologies that evolved in the last years and will be a main topic in the next time that i think is really interesting and um, i'm keen to see what uh, the future will bring so uh, julian this has been awesome i really appreciate it uh, if people have more questions or they want to learn more about your work or the work that's happening at, at uh, InterZero, uh, how would they how would they go about finding you or the company or just information in general? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, just that's where I found you. That name um, exactly, and um, otherwise, yeah, this is number one go to. We're also having on my little department based for recycling um, is having an account there as well. Um, yeah, just get in touch. Um, is that called I'm make for recycling or made? No, made, the made. past tense. Okay, got it. Yeah, it's made for recycling, the packaging designed for the recycling process. Very good. I'll make sure those links get put in the show notes. Julian, I really appreciate your time today. I know there's a and time done, difference. And, and please don't forget the David Hesloff link I will send to you now. Oh my gosh. Yes, we have to put that in there as well. The day I thank you for not letting me forget that. How could we how could we not end the podcast on a high note and talking about David Hasselhoff? So yes. I'll make sure that gets in there. Julian, thank you again so much. I really appreciate it. It's been very helpful and insightful. It was such a pleasure. And um yeah, looking forward to to hearing next time. And um, yeah, thanks. Certainly. Hey, that wraps up another edition of the People of Packaging podcast. It would mean so much if you would like and share 
rate, review, subscribe, because we want to change the world because we believe that packaging is awesome.